The Navis and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Novice and Frank. I'm Frank. Hi, I'm The Novice. I'm Amanda. Look at that. We've got an exciting episode for you. But as always, we like to start with a little theme song. That's right. We'll improvise our theme song. You want to get us started and I'll jump in? All right. I guess it's my turn to start here. <laughs> uh, comics. Comics, 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 comics. They're the thing we love, the thing we read, the thing we live for. Every Wednesday we go to the store. For new comic book day. We pick up some books that really excite us. Looking at books, it truly delights us because we're comic books. Oh. <laughs> and Frank. <laughs> huh? I'm sorry. Otherwise, the song is going to go for like eight minutes because I feel like we were really forming an arc. I know. I was really. I was. I was like, do I want to make the shorter or I want to just see, see where this took us? Well, should I? I no, no. This is off? exciting. This is exciting. Look at that. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the Novice and Frank, as we Hi. said. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, what today is kind of like a, a flip of our usual episode. Usually, I'm more of a novice about comics, That's and Amanda's right. more of the novice. That's right. I usually have a lot of questions, and I still have questions today, but they won't mostly be directed at Frank. But be directed at uh, the world at the world <laughs> uh, because today we are discussing the film Suicide Squad which I saw last night uh, at a kind of a sneak peek event Frank has not seen he's the novice today yes I'm excited to be in the novice seat I mean certainly I've read all the comic series huge fan of the John Ostrander series mm. love that so coming from for more of the comic book fan uh, and Amanda will be of course dishing all the inside knowledge that she has about the film. So consider yourself warned if you have not seen uh, Suicide Squad and you don't want any spoilers, unlike uh, Trevor, our awesome sound engineer today, who is okay with spoilers, and so is Frank. Um, maybe uh, maybe come back to this one. Just push the pause button. Don't delete it. Just <laughs> pause us and then come back after you've seen the film and see if you agree with me. Pause us for like, what, an hour 45? Is that what it is? Uh, it feels like longer, okay. but sure. Pause yeah. it for two hours and then <laughs> turn it right back on. Great. It's walk in there with your iPod or whatever your device you use to listen to. Yeah, everyone will love that. Just have your device on during the film. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, you're using earbuds. Yeah, don't yeah, put it on. Don't exactly. put it on speaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and probably the next podcast will be discussing a little bit of what Frank thought and see if he agrees yes. with what I said. And I'm excited. I am. I think this is an interesting way of doing this today because I have not read. I've read very little of uh, the Suicide Squad in the books. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about Harley Quinn. Um, I don't really know about the more tertiary squad members. You know, so I, I'm so I'm not sure. So it'll be interesting to get you to kind of fill in um, what you know, fill in the gaps there. Well, I guess we can sort of like DC Comics. They have a property called the Suicide Squad, and that mm-hmm. was back in the uh, I guess they call it like the Silver Age of Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was with the character of uh, Rick Flagg, who was leading ta- task, force, task Force X. And they went to, like, Dinosaur Island, things like that. They got into adventures there. And then uh, back in the mid-'80s, they did this event. They, of course, had Crisis on Infinite Earths, which kind of rebooted the whole DC universe. Mm-hmm. And then the follow-up series that they kind of did, the next big, next big event, was called Legends. And uh, John Byrne came over from Marvel to kind of work on that as well. And uh, they kind of reintroduced the Suicide Squad at that point. It was written by John uh, Len Wayne and 
jumper and did that, but John Ostrander started the Suicide Squad based out of that, kind of spun out of that miniseries. Now, had it the first time in the Silver Age that it went through, did it? Did they have an end, or did they just kind of stop? Did it was a limited run on the Suicide Squad, or they kind of just fade away? I think, I think it just kind of faded away. In fact, uh, just this past week, they did a nice, like, a little hardcover collection of all those Silver Age Suicide Squad stories there from back in the, the 50s and 60s. Cool. So I'm very tempted to read those because they seem really cool. I've not read those. I've only read, like, John Ostrander, uh, Luke McDonald and up from there, mm. those various series. So they started off in the 80s with there, and it was just a well-regarded run for the Suicide Squad. Uh, I mean, it was great. You had Amanda Waller, her first introduction there. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have Deadshot, Boomerang, Captain Boomerang. Uh, no Harley Quinn to, uh, to be spoken of because she didn't she exist back in the Yeah, yeah she's she new. didn't even mm-hmm. exist back at that point. But you had characters like Nightshade, Enchantress, some of those which do uh, appear in this new film. And so that went about ooh, almost like 70 issues or so. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, then it finally ended. And then it got brought back a couple times. One, they had Sergeant Rock for that deep cut World War II uh, DC hero lovers. Uh, Sergeant Rock was like the head of the ta- Suicide Squad. And that kind of, I don't think they only lasted like 10 Sergeant issues. Sergeant Rock. Yes. Was he, <laughs> is, was he like made of rock, like the th- thing like looked like the thing or was he like <laughs> like gene simmons <laughs> no that's right yeah 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 he was all dressed up in military outfit but then he was also he had face painted like kiss yes. great perfect yep exactly <laughs> no he was a, a world war ii vet uh world war ii hero he had his own series back you know in the 60s and 70s with sergeant rock and easy company uh but then they kind of came up with the idea of like hey instead of dying like he should have in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, what if he still li- it was alive and kind of working in the background, and he was the new head of Suicide Squad? That concept was not really well regarded and only lasted about ten issues. What? Okay, that doesn't Sergeant Rock and the what did you call the Easy and Easy Company? Sergeant Rock and Easy Company doesn't that yes. sound like an amazing group, like a band? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, so let's what, do it. Are we doing that? Yeah, I think we're. I think it's happening. All right, guys, this has been the Novice and Frank. Frank. We'll Thank see you. you. <laughs> we're going. Bye. Put up, put up, uh, no. Trevor, what are you going to play in the band? Um, I'll do like drums. I can help with drums. All right. I love drums. that. He, I just, I, he's going to help <laughs> with drums. All the drums. He's going to help with drums. Yeah, all the drums. Just help out. <laughs> I imagine him just kind of sitting on the side, just like occasionally just like, hey, I'll just uh, come in with a little beat Everyone on that snare. <laughs> uh, but then after a couple of variations, then it really came back uh, Oh, in the new 52, they did the Suicide Squad, and they kind of reimagined it there. They mm-hmm. included Harley Quinn. Which was huge. Yes. And I know that was a big part of the new 52. Uh, you know, various other characters kind of moved in and out, but it seemed to be like Harley Quinn and Deadshot were, of course, like the big mainstays that they carried over. Oh, well, Deadshot, of course, the mainstay, and then Harley Quinn at the introduction. But now that it's been respun again out as DC's kind of gone through their rebirth, they've kind of relaunched the series again. They've got uh, Harley Quinn, Killer Croc, Deadshot, and a few other characters involved in this. Okay. So that leads kind of more like comic book stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But now we've got a film Mm, based out of there. Directed by David Ayer. uh, Yes. Uh, He also did like that Brad Pitt movie, Fury, that World War II movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Fury. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just remembering Fury. Yes. I'm like about to critique it in my head. I'm like, no, that's not what this is about. Stay focused, Amanda. Yeah. So, first, let me just start off by saying uh, my views. I, I do work for I do work for Warner Brothers. I work in Warner Brothers Animation, and I want to offer this disclaimer that my views do not necessarily reflect those of uh, Warner Brothers or its affiliates, including DC. That's out of the way. Perfect. I, I love not that. liable. Yeah, I love that. It's <laughs> almost like reading that, that like Entertainment Weekly, where they talk about something and they ask, like, "Hey, you know what? Entertainment Weekly is also owned by this company too." Yeah. yeah. yeah so it's like. 
Yeah. Oh, all right, cool. So I feel like you've made that disclaimer. So now you know we can. You've acknowledged your bias. Yeah. Potential I, bias. I, I, yeah, yeah. It's my potential bias. So, uh, I, I actually I have not read any reviews, and I'm, I'm interested to, but I didn't want to read any after I saw the film because I wanted to come into this recording with a very fresh. You know what I mean? It was still kind of in my head. Yes. I haven't talked to too many people about it, despite everybody at work wanting to talk about it. I kind of built little blinders because I just I didn't want to get other people's. I feel like that's happened when I've come in with books because people will see me, you know, with the books on my desk or whatever, and uh, they'll want to talk about them before we come into the podcast. And then I feel like I'm bringing in other people's thoughts and biases into this recording. Yeah. So I I only mentioned you at work just yelling, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Don't talk to me. That's right. I'm very, very <laughs> aggressive and masculine at work. Uh, you know, I found the movie very frustrating. I found it very frustrating because I think – that there was a good movie in there. Uh, I, it was not nearly as long or as tedious as Batman versus Superman, which for me, and I know people are going to maybe get angry because I feel like Batman versus Superman has been better received than Suicide Squad has maybe. No, but, I would disagree. I no, think okay. maybe some of the love has come from that, uh, that extended edition that came yeah, out when man, it was but released. Like, my brother said the same thing because he's like, well, I've had one of my coworkers and my brother like, well, the extended edition though like, it makes it so much better. And my answer is like I sat there for what for like almost three hours. Why would I want to sit through it for like four? Do you know what I mean? It's like well that yeah. extra thirty minutes really clears. Like no, part of my issue with the film was the length. So I have no interest in going and in, in watching an extended version um, because for me what that what Batman vs Superman needed was editing. It needed a a steadier hand in editing and pulling things out. Not like well if we add more stuff that then explains it. But, you know, I might be completely wrong. I know people disagree with that. Mm, so I, I, I needed a Superman that made me, you know, like, made me be uh, inspired to be a better person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Instead of being just a crybaby a lot of the time. And just, like, <laughs> really a, a sad sack. He's a little sad sack, a little sad. Yeah. A little weepy. I always feel like that. I, every time he kind of left a scene, I wanted to have it be like that uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas special. Yeah. Where it's like, na, 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 na. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> See you, Superman. Yeah. He's a little sad sack Superman. And then he died, so. And speaking of that, this takes place after Superman has died. It so does. And they the reference world. it. So I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad they reference it. So the character, uh, Amanda, uh, what's her name? Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller. Um, played by Viola Davis, who was fantastic. She was really good. She gave a really nice ground of reality to this film and to the world in general. Like, her performance was really, really good. Um, she's cold, man. She cold in the comic books? She is. She's she like is stone very cold. cold. She's yeah. ruthless. But she plays it really well. She's very no-nonsense and no bullshit. Um, yeah, I, I know, too, this movie underwent a lot of uh, reshoots. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's a big article in The Hollywood Reporter talking mm -hmm. about the making of the film. Mm -hmm. And certainly they, they shot this movie. Uh, they, they saw how Batman versus Superman was kind of received. They did some reshoots. Of course, people were wondering, like, well, what's that the reshoots for? And I guess the reason for that is that when they saw the trailer was released, it had more of a comedic approach. Mm -hmm. And it was so well received. They're like, wow, that's great. That, that looks like a fun movie. And supposedly Warner Brothers executives realized, you know, that's not at all the movie that we have. Yeah. It's a lot darker than what this trailer makes it seem to be. Yeah. So they wanted to do some reshoots for that. But then they even had David uh, Ayer, when he's in there in the bay cutting, they were so worried about the film being too dark that they had the team that put together the trailer also simultaneously do their own cut of the film, Interesting. too. So I feel like 
uh, what kind of ended up on the res- the results is maybe a combination of those two, and it really seemed like it's a. Di- and from what I've read, it comes across as very disjointed. It is very uneven. That's the next thing I was going to say. I'm, I'm glad to hear. I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear that because it feels like there's a reason. There were some weird choices that were made, and I felt that way even like with the, you know, I was so excited about the about the trailer. You know, because I thought it felt weird, and I know I, a lot of the problems that my coworkers had with it, and of course, is because they're you know like all people working in animation and stuff. But they hated the like colorful shield and the poppy lettering, and that didn't necessarily bother me because it felt very like with the with the music and everything with the trailer. It still felt like all right. Well, this is a thing they could do. It feels like they're really going like balls to the walls, and it's going to be big and ridiculous. But the problems that I had were so easily remedied, I feel like, with this film, and that is that most of the characters, I didn't know what they wanted. Well, speaking I of the characters. I didn't know their point of view. Going in, how many of them did you at least have heard of in your, in your admittedly, not as quite a long comic reading, but mm-hmm. how many of them were you kind of aware of? Like, oh, I've heard of that character before. Well, I knew. It's tricky because I've now seen the posters and I've gone and I saw, I visited like a costume display and all that, so I'd seen those. I think I'd heard of Katana. And Batman and Harley Quinn. And that might, if, if you took out all the wardrobe and stuff that I'd seen, then that those might be the only ones that I'd heard of. And Joker. And jo- oh, yes, and Joker. Thank you. Uh, and so if you took out the, the, now after seeing the exhibits and stuff that I have seen in anticipation for the film, I'd seen the costume for Killer Croc, you know, for Captain Boomerang. Um, I saw the panda costume and I was like, who is this fucking panda? He's nobody. <laughs> That's the answer. Really? Oh. He's like, it's like a, a crazy care. It's like a crazy costume for a character that like doesn't have it. He comes in and out like once or twice. And that's oh. it. Also, Ike Barinholtz is in it, which I was delighted. Uh, Ike and John Barinholtz. Oh, both really? do, um, yeah. Ike is a fantastic, well, he's an actor and a director. He's on, people might know him from the Mindy project, uh, but he and his brother, John do, uh, improv. So we know them from the improv community and he's fantastic in it. He brings a lot of the comedy to the film, actually, at least really? in the beginning. Mm-hmm. What does he play? He plays a guard at the, uh, prison where, uh, all the, um, suicide squad are kept. Um, but he's, he's really great. He does a great job. So good job, Ike. Um, well, so, I mean, at least based on the comics, one of the most beloved characters from that series. Well, I guess there, you think about two, you have Amanda Waller, certainly, mm-hmm. but I feel like Deadshot uh, really, really was well beloved and certainly Captain Boomerang to a lesser extent, just from the original series. Yeah. Just because of just like they, a lot of, a lot of personality and a lot of great work came out of John Ostrander's development of that character. Yeah. But now watching this, did you think Deadshot and or Captain Boomerang were interesting? Deadshot, 100% Captain Boomerang, no. I left this movie. <laughs> well, here, I he is actually one of my biggest issues with the film, that character, with the film only. Because with, okay, so Viola Davis and uh, Deadshot and Harley Quinn I knew what they wanted, more or less. Like, Viola Davis is pretty upfront. She's like, yeah, this is this is the team I'm establishing, and this is more or less, like, my tone, my point of view. Harley Quinn, for better, for worse, like, I'm, I've got my beef with some of it, but, like, she wants the Joker. That's what she wants. She wants the Joker. She's crazy, and she wants the Joker. So everything kind of comes back to that for her, in that movie, at least. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily all she wants in the comic books, but in the film, that's what she wants. Um, from the get-go... Deadshot wants his daughter. He wants to be with his daughter and be out of prison, and he wants the best for his kid. And they even have a moment that they have for him that they do not have for any of the other characters, where he basically gives them a list of demands. And in that moment, he says, I want, he literally lists out what he wants. I want full custody of my daughter. I want to be out. I want her to go to the best schools. 
that's what he wants. It's said right there. So I feel like I knew him right off the bat, whereas the trailer didn't give me any idea of who he was, but I feel like the film I did. Captain Boomerang, man, he comes in and he does nothing the whole film at the very end. So one of the devices they use near the beginning of the movie is they do essentially like a to give you and I didn't feel like it was a bad device but they to to give you an idea of who each character is you know Viola Davis character is sitting there and she's like and she literally pulls out files opens the file and it's like cut to this person and on the screen it's in text a list of their like special skills and she's like this is who they are and this is the narration and this is why we need them close the file go to the next person you know, mm-hmm. so it's a way of them kind of shuffling through real quick who the who these characters are, but it doesn't tell you what drives them, what they want. Killer Croc is so like his. I mean, the makeup is amazing, and he's cool looking. No idea, no idea what he wants. He's a crocodile. That's it. Like I don't know what he does or what he wants. Um, I mean, because I guess the, the the boomerang was a he's Captain Boomerang was a thief. Yeah, because I guess the but idea of the it. Suicide Squad is that you're supposed to be. You do these incredible, uh, dangerous assignments that could lead in your death, but if you complete them, then you'll be released from prison. So, yes. I mean, I guess that ultimately, I mean, I guess if you think about it that way, they all have some sort of reason to be there. But then more specifically, Deadshot has something that he wants to be with his daughter. Yeah, but I yeah, I get, I get their motivation for being there, for being present, mm-hmm. but I don't know what ultimately they want like their motivation for even getting out of prison some of them yeah what are you gonna do when you get out of prison you're just gonna be like oh, yeah but but out. even more than that like their abilities right it's like okay so dead shots got you know he's um, he's an amazing shot and they demonstrate that and i know they probably don't have the time to demonstrate that for every character but like at the beginning even you know harley harley they don't really show her they're like she's dangerous and that's it like you don't really know because she doesn't really have any special abilities she's just crazy and dangerous i guess yeah. so fine she's not super strong or anything like that she's just uh you know she's I mean, she's a psychiatrist, and you know, she is a good fighter. I mean, or just... But you didn't really even see her be good at, at psychiatry at all. Yeah. Well, clearly not, because like, she fell for the Joker. Right. But I think that part of, from what I've understood, is that part of it is that he got into her head. Like, she was a good psychiatrist. He wormed his way into her head, and then it, and then from there, you know, devolved. So maybe they'll delve into that more with another film. Um, P.S. Joker isn't in it much. He's not in it much, which, like, the previews would lead you to believe, especially with all the hype around Jared Leto. Like, he's just not there for a good portion of the film. He kind of jumps in and out, and it's weird. Because from what I've heard, like, in and out is bizarre. you could excise him from the entire movie and not lose anything. No. That's what I've heard. That's true. It's 100% true. And I think, I think the take on him is interesting, you know? And this is from somebody who, I mean, I will always be in love with Jack Nicholson's Joker. Oh, That's come my, on, really? I love it. I love, yeah, well, oh. I, I love the Tim Burton film. I am such a big fan of, of the Batman, the first Well, Batman actually, movie. I didn't mind that until, but like, the, the Bat uh, Princess song in there. Ugh. <laughs> come on, the parade? No, the parade. Oh, or the painting in the museum? It, yes. Yeah, those, it's, a, it's so ridiculous. Oh. But I grew up with that, so for me, that's a sentimental thing. <laughs> but I think that them doing something completely different with Lita's he's scary. You know, he's, like, intense and, cr- and crazy and scary. And... I dug that, but he's you're absolutely correct in that you could pull him out and it, nothing would be different in the film. Better or worse than Heath Ledger? Different. Just different. Definitely oh. different. But not any I mean, better or worse? I I love I don't I love Heath Ledger's Joker, but he it was so different because Heath Ledger is so much more grounded. That take on the Joker is so much more grounded and he's scary in a very real way. 
and the cutting and everything so many cut twos in the film and that's what i'm saying it's inconsistent because you've got these scenes where they're actually trying to have heart so there's a random scene in there with katana because she just shows up and like oh yeah p.s is katana she kills people with swords and that's kind of the whole thing that she's given there's like a quick flashback to her and it's you know it's the subtitles are, you know, she's speaking Japanese, there are subtitles, but this font that they use throughout the film is like a comic sans. It's like, I can't take you seriously <laughs> when you've got this, like, like you know, the Pentagon, 1800 hours. It's like, in comic sans! Like, it's like, is it serious? I don't understand. There's such, they're just like weird decisions that were made that I think kind of go along that they couldn't decide if they wanted to do like a Deadpool, like a sharp, funny, you know, in your face, fucked up film, or this like kind of grounded, brooding Dark Knight. I think the things that made like the Dark Knight successful and the, you know, and, and Dark Knight Rises and those films, I think, were successful because they were like dark and angsty and intense. Do you know what I mean? And they didn't walk that line well. It's like they kept hopping from one thing to the other. There's literally, Frank, there's a part, so near the, near the end, they spot. A knapsack that is open and a binder, like a three ring fifth grade binder with top secret written on the spine. And they pull it out and that's how they learn of the master plan. What? Serious? Yes. <laughs> it's like a three. And so to me, it's like a lot of it is lazy storytelling and the dialogue, the dialogue between, I, th- I actually thought that Will Smith was really good. I thought he did a really good job with the role. I thought a lot of his dialogue was super trite. Um, especially there's a scene between he and his daughter right up top before he's apprehended by Batman. And it reads like something... You watched Friends, right? Yeah. It reads like Joey Tribbiani's plays mm. in Friends. Like, Man. and Darl, you know, and, and uh, you know, and Shelly, baby, I'll be there. You know what I mean? It's it's so, it's so stilted. But I think that he actually did a good job. He did, I think in the in the, the trailers, he, he seemed like just a walking book of catchphrases. And the film, he actually does a good job with it. I think he does it well. But I think that's the the benefit you get from bringing somebody in like Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, people. He's had his ba- he get clunker roles too, but it's certainly somebody his caliber. You can bring him in. He can take moments that seem kind of trite and corny, mm-hmm. and at least kind of elevate them just by just his sheer a listness of it. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. And I mean, I and I thought that um, I thought Margot Robbie did a good job with. Uh, I think she kept. Harley Quinn, like a like likable and adorable. She didn't grate on my nerves, and I was a little afraid of that because I think there are so many ways that you can take that character that are that are going to make her really grating or, or stupid, and she didn't seem stupid to me. She seemed crazy. The the things that I didn't like about her are mostly again like dialogue, um, but her accent was weird because the first like the first third of the film, she's just you know like, all right, you know here we go. That's her thing. And then all of a sudden, she's from Brooklyn, of course. What are you saying? Like, it's it was weird. It was like this really bizarre shift. <laughs> so that, I thought that was distracting. It was like all, all of a sudden, she's, you know, like from the block. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought yeah. she would have kept, because I, when I think of Harley Quinn without hearing her speak, really, is I just think of Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Forever, that kind of that kind of Yeah, Tara Strong, right? Yes. Yeah. Or Arlene Sorkin to the original. Okay. Uh, back in the back in the night. so I just that kind of just that cadence and the kind of rhythm, just like that's how I imagine right. Harley Quinn speaking. All and the it's time. hard, it's hard to get out of that, especially because it was so iconic, you know. But yeah. um, but I actually, yeah, I thought she did a good job. Um, 
Now, one other character that uh, has never really been associated with the Suicide Squad, though, is uh, El Diablo. And he's yeah. in this film, uh, Jay Hernandez. From what I've mm-hmm. heard, that he has a really good role because he's sort of like the, he's really reluctant. He's trying to, you know, he's hurt a lot of people. He's trying not to be violent. Yeah, I think that he does a great job. The special effects are really cool. The effects that they use with him, I think, are really neat. Um, and I thought that he did a really good job. And I thought that his part in the end, like in the climax of the film, was really good. Up until then, it was kind of frustrating. He's like, I won't, I won't. Okay, I will. <laughs> you know, like, but <laughs> it wasn't it? him. It was just it was kind of just the way things were structured, which was which was weird. Did it um, take Will Smith yelling at him a lot to get him to finally man up? Like in the trailer? Yeah. Is uh, that it? Is that it? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Of course, Will Smith loves at you enough. You're going to man up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I thought uh, I thought it was, I thought he was good. The, uh, the biggest, there are two. They're all all the characters they've gone through like the f- their files right the ch- ch- this what this person does, and they're like loading them up. But it was weird because they're like they're and of, of course um, Enchantress was super cool, but I liked her when she was all like dark and you know and and like looked like she was all covered in ash and spooky. And then pretty quickly she changes she strengthens and then she looked more ethereal and CGI. Mm. which I didn't love. I was like, oh, man, she was so cool when she was all dark and creepy, <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, there were so many storylines, and they put together this team. They, they put together the Suicide Squad before really knowing. You didn't know yet what they were going to be fighting. Like, they sent them out, and I'm like, wait, what are they fighting? Oh, it's the Enchantress? Is that what they're fighting? Or is it like a security issue i don't really know like i knew they were putting together the squad like a just in case but then all of a sudden they were a team and they were out and you didn't really know what they were up like why they were being and i know they didn't know but you felt like you as a viewer you're like wait what's going on though like is this a security i feel like they were already put together before they were actually before they had an obstacle to face yeah because for me what i liked about the comic is certainly you put these villains in uh, situations that seemed, I mean, just like you're, you're clearly going to your death because there's no way you can get out of the situation. But these villains are willing to gamble on that just for the chance that they can get free after their time there. But so for this, it's the Enchantress who is one of the original members of the Suicide Squad. She kind of goes rogue, gets out of Amanda Waller's control, and she's trying to get her brother, what, Incubus? Yeah, and in yeah. this, she wasn't even part of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, so by th- so I felt like th- that just hearing that storyline kind of disappoints me. It's like I don't want the Suicide Squad going after one of their own. I wanted them. Yeah, I thought she was going to be one of them, and I was like, that's pretty rad. Like when they first started talking about, it, she's like, okay, she comes in and she enchants, and also she, like, they, they get a hold of her brother's thing. He's all their all of her stuff. Her artifacts are. It felt like they're just like in a hotel room. Like she just shows up and she's like, "Ha, ah, here are the thing." And she like grabs it. I'm like, why are they? I don't understand. Like where that was. Like where she where she got it. <laughs> it's it's like the little things that, you know, like the text and the stupid top secret thing and the and the the simple things that I feel like if they just went back to kind of the more basics of filmmaking and structure, it could have been awesome like it could have been really really good you know because the effects were great you know effects were there and because i've heard the effects for incubus were really poor for okay and which one was incubus? he was like that uh enchantress's brother oh there. yeah no he looked like shit <laughs> yeah no he looked terrible um but yeah the whole thing was weird her she <laughs> so enchantress you know gets free basically and is like she gets her she like frees her brother and she's like holding him 
she's like, the humans no longer worship us. They worship machines. So I'm going to build a huge machine. Mm. And that was her, like, like really, that's kind of her dialogue to him. And then she's like, wait for me. I'll be back. <laughs> and then but, I guess they take over the subway terminal and she's building this machine. Wow. Like yeah. it's, it's just, just no, there's no clarity. I just wanted people to be more straightforward. Like, what do you want? What is our obstacle as a team? What does the Enchantress want? She's just like building a machine. Like she's just the whole movie. She's building a machine. That's the, the they just keep on the back. She's just building a machine. Yeah. See, I I feel like those are my least favorite plots when you have the bad guy has got either some kind of glowing device or they're building something and that you've got to stop him before it goes activated. And that's the reason. Yeah, they that get, was that's it. Yeah. They can kind of you know the team can kind of split off into like you know two or three man little units and then eventually all find their way together at like the machine or the mm-hmm. glowing device and then they got to take on the bad guy at the end. Well, and before all that happened, you know, he, uh, what's his, Flag? Yes. Flag. So Flag and the Enchantress's host, what's her name? Oh, the I, doctor? Yeah. Uh, yes. She's, uh, oh, gosh. I can't so in the comic yeah. books, are they in a relationship? Gosh, were they? No, I don't Because that's yeah. supposedly his motivation, is that he's in love with the woman who's being, who's uh, possessing who's being possessed by the Enchantress. Now, my problem with Rick Flagg is, at least from the casting, I mean, we had the guy who played him in, uh, played RoboCop. So, oh, is it Joel McTiernan? What was his name? Joel McTiernan? Mm. But he just looks too scrawny and too just dirty to yeah, be like he, a commanding force of this task force. Like, to he keep did. any of these guys in line? I was like, you've seen Battle? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, I've also heard, don't tell me, that he does kind of a heel turn. Yes. Yep, of course. Yeah. There you go. That which come on. Yeah. Rick Flagg's awesome. Don't do that. I feel like that's like when you see John Voight when he went bad as uh, Jim Phelps in Mission Impossible. <laughs> it's like, come on, that's the guy that's supposed to be the good guy. Yeah. And why are you gonna make him do a heel turn at the end? Well, because he's Well, I mean, he didn't he didn't become the bad guy or anything like that. He just it's but it's weird. It's like he comes back to the bar and they have this like coming to Jesus moment. <sighs> I just I felt like all the pieces were there, they just weren't assembled properly and i know that it's really easy for me to say that without having like gone through the thing making the movie it's just my opinion but um but it sounds like it's also the opinion of a bunch of people that saw the movie and then wrote really nasty reviews about it online but i think that's what frustrated me i'd rather just say it was terrible that's almost easier to be like oh my god nothing worked it's it's less satisfying almost for me to be like oh you're so close and you lost such an opportunity you know to make this great because i felt like they just couldn't decide the tone of the film and, and what they were trying to do. I think that speaks to a bigger uh, problem with DC p- films right now is that after the kind of, you know, the sourness, uh, sour, the sour reception that Batman versus Superman got, mm-hmm. that now they're trying to figure, well, now we got to add a little bit more levity in this. And, but we've already been so far into the production. How do we inject levity into something that is clearly, was clearly intended to be kind of a dark film? Yeah. Uh, and it's hard. I mean, you know, it's difficult is the answer. It's hard. But I think that, that part of the issue is that they keep trying to do these huge, on these then uh, not this isn't just DC. This is also Marvel, but they keep doing these ensemble, these huge ensemble pieces, these big ensemble films, and it's like you to give each character their screen time and their arc, you know. Be, otherwise, they just come up as being little sound bites, right? It's like like there is my catchphrase. Well, here's my catchphrase, and if to give each character a full arc has to be so artfully done and so succinct and you really I think takes a lot of restraint you know or the movie's going to be six hours because you've got so many of these big characters in there you know and 
it's I think that's just generally the, the my biggest thing with Captain Boomerang is that it so at the beginning you know he he has a file but even after that I'm like so why is he here like what's his what's he good at he seems just like a terrible he seems like a thief and not even a good one why is he, he here he doesn't seem dangerous at all how many times does he throw a boomerang in this movie like twice oh, maybe that's so disappointing because at one point he does he is working with like knives he literally he walks off and he comes with back with a beer like a can of beer several times several times he just like walks away comes back with a can of beer he and i'm like what is your skill man because harley is a clearly a good fighter at least you know I, so i know she's not a metahuman that's the right term right metahuman. look at you nailed Ooh. it but like i know she's not that and neither is he but what is your what are you doing here and what's so bizarre, it felt so weird to me because they had a file on everybody, including him. There, um, He shows up with this other guy who didn't have a file. They didn't even give this guy a file. He looked like maybe he was of Native American descent. And he, they walk up together. Oh, Slipknot. That's his name, right? Is that yeah. who it is, Slipknot? Yes. Okay. Played by Adam Beach because he doesn't survive very long in the movie, right? Okay. If it's that character, if it's Slipknot, I don't know his name. Yeah. I don't know what his deal is because they didn't even open a file on him. That like f- file thing thing, and he didn't even have one. So he comes walking up, and I'm like, "Oh, is he a soldier? No, he's in this. Okay, he's in the squad. So we got a new squad guy here. And then he and Captain Boomerang are like, "We should, we should just leave. We should go for it." And then they decide they're gonna go for it, but Captain Boomerang doesn't. But it's lit- within a span of three minutes. The guy's introduced and then gets killed. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess your and first clue when you didn't see him in the files, you knew he wasn't long for the world. Right, but it completely defeats the purpose because, you know, for instance, The Walking... Do you watch The Walking Dead? Yes. Okay, so The Walking Dead has done this thing that is so masterfully where they have... They will kill anybody. Not just because... I don't feel like they do it just because. Like, the person Except dies... Glenn. Well, we don't know about Glenn yet, do we? Well, yeah, Nobody's but safe right now. Nobody's safe, but they've put him in so many situations like where he's like, you should be dead. And I know. <laughs> and then you're not. Okay. And Steven, you're just keeping it. He's just staying strong there. <laughs> Keep it going, Steven. I love you. Um, but yeah, it's, but but they will, but they'll kill characters that are, you know, major characters that you kind of get attached to uh, and they'll do it and you're not expecting it. There won't be a lot of hype like this is the episode somebody dies usually. And in doing that, they've created this reality where you are tense and you're afraid watching it because you the the stakes have been raised where you know they could kill off anybody and they will do it, you know. So you're invested. You're invested in the characters, and that's a they've done it really skillfully, I think. And this movie, they were trying to, I feel like, employ the same device, and that's how all of the other squad members were like, "Whoa, if they'll kill one, that they'll kill somebody that quickly, then we could be next." But you're not, you don't feel that way as an audience member because you don't even know that guy's name. <laughs> you don't even know who he is. So if they'd given him a file, mm-hmm. even if they'd spent just as much time on him as like Killer Croc, which got no, no time, you don't know anything about it except he's like a crocodile and he's cool. <laughs> but like the characters, they really don't spend much time on them. If they'd spent the exact same amount of time on him as they did Captain Boomerang, which was very little, and then killed him, I'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> But they didn't, you don't know who he is. Yeah, they don't, without that kind of like that false sense of setup, you're like, I can't, right. how am I going to invest so in this guy? So there's no setup at all. So I'm not invested. It's pointless. I'm like, all right, I guess that guy's gone. Like, what? Why even have him there? Pull him. You know, either like set him up so that it makes it, so that there's a payoff in killing him, or just cut him out and save us the, you know, four minutes that we saw him on screen. You know, I don't know. Well, now, two other characters that do appear in there, 
eyes. So tell me what you think of them. We see Flash and Batman yeah. appear in various parts. What did you, especially for Flash because the first time we really seen him. Oh, we saw him a little bit in Batman versus Superman, but like in that weird you know, mecha suit. Who even knows what that was? Yeah, mm. that was weird. So to finally kind of see him in action this time, what did you think of the Flash in a in a film? I got delighted. I was like, oh, I know who that. I think it was more like I knew who it was. Like, ha ha! And then he was gone, and I was like, well, yeah, all right. That sounds about right. Because I'm still not digging the costume. It seems too like uh, like mech suit still. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of weird, and even now. So I I watched uh, I I watched the Did you watch the Justice League trailer? Yes. Okay. He's a Flash is in that. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? Uh, I, mean, I want to talk about the trailers. Yeah, too. I, yeah. I don't know, like like Barry Allen being like, oh, I don't have a lot of friends. Yeah, I'm concerned that Justice League is going to try to do the same thing that this one did, which is like, well, we also have to be funny. Yeah, it's like you know that you can't just like try to catch up now. Right. Yeah, it's like pun intended. Get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's like I feel like I mean certainly their films need to have more levity, but it's just right. like you also just need to treat your characters just better, like Superman. Should not be a sad sack, like I said before. Like that should not be the case. Because when you have Batman and Superman basically just seeming indis- indistinguishable mm. as characters, then that's a problem. Yes. And I think that I think that it's so. I think the biggest problem that I had with this film is that it feels so heavy-handed, and it feels like they're not playing to the intelligent. They're not giving their audience the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and they're. I- they're not explaining things that they should be. They're like running right over details that shouldn't be run over, and then they're over explaining things like you know like with the you know with the dialogue and with you know and stuff that it's like why why like why it just doesn't feel like they're they're giving their audiences enough credit and i say that as somebody who is not familiar with this world now you were know? your expectations for this film because you're certainly more aware of batman and superman mm-hmm. so when you see batman versus superman i think maybe as an audience member, your uh, expectations of that film are elevated because you know those characters. You may have grown up with those characters. You have a certain expectation of what you want to see when those characters interact. Mm. Suicide Squad, another DC film, but for the most part, pretty much unknown characters. You mm. really don't have that much of investment for them. So your expectations for the film, I would think, would be a little bit less. Actually, it's the opposite for me. For me, it was the opposite because I felt that, like, first of all, Suicide Squad looked like a fun movie. And that's something I guess I should say is that I don't necessarily need every I don't need every movie to be like amazing. I don't need it to change my life, but I want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. You know that look it just looked like fun. Soundtrack was great, great soundtrack. You know it looked it little chaotic, like a little all over the place, but I de- I liked it. Um, so you were kind of sold on the trailer because the trailer was I really yeah, well received. Yeah, I was just for that. sold on the trailer. I was like, yeah, this looks pretty cool, and I think that I liked the idea that I was going in with no expectations because I felt like I was more on the same plane as everybody else. Whereas like it didn't seem like everybody's like, oh man, I can't wait to see that crocodile guy, you know? Because like everybody, because nobody really knew that much about who he was, you know. I think everybody was jazzed about everybody who's touched on comics in the last six years was jazzed like Harley Quinn. You know, every girl now has dressed up as Harley Quinn for something or other. In fact, the man is dressed as Harley Quinn right I now. I am, yeah. This is my casual, it's a casual Thursday for me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my pigtails are too tight. Uh, um, you know, so I think, and everybody, and the Joker was hyped so much. There was, you know, this like new edgy take on the Joker and, you know, Harley Quinn and this love story and nah. Uh, now, do Batman and Joker interact or no? No. No? No. Oh, I man. Don't, wait, hold on. I don't Because th- I thought I remember so. seeing stills if of them anything, like racing in a car and Batman's on the hood of the car or the roof of the car. Okay. This is why it's so frustrating. So Yeah, so, yeah. But there are so many little blips 
in the movie, there's so many like flashbacks. It's like this is person's skill. This is like how they got apprehended, and these like weird little. But Batman's not in the movie much, you know. And um, he fights more against Deadshot than he does against our Harley and Joker. He doesn't fight against. No, he apprehends Deadshot in like a real weird, lame way. He like somebody puts in a call, and they're like, "Get Deadshot." And basically, and he just shows up. Deadshot's walking with his kid. They're shopping. And Batman drops in and is like, I got to take you out now. I got to, like, Deadshot, you're going down. And his daughter, Deadshot's daughter, is like, so Deadshot's going to shoot him. And his daughter is like, no, daddy, don't. Don't do it. And is supposedly, like, blocking the shot. But let's face it, Batman's, like, six foot. And she's probably, like, 3'10 or something like that, four feet tall. And so... She's not really blocking. So she blocks Batman. Like, she's, like, I guess, protecting Batman. And so Deadshot doesn't take the shot. So Batman moves in and arrests him. And that's their... The cops show up. And that's their interaction. That's how he gets apprehended. That was it. Yeah, there's no, like, shootout or anything like that. I'm like, you are Deadshot. Like, it's... Man. I just can't... I couldn't believe that even with his daughter there that he would have just folded that easy. Because he's this expert marksman. So he could have easily shot a wall, bounced it into Batman's head, and not put his daughter at risk at all. Because yeah, I would you know, think the I only reason he didn't is like, oh, I don't want to show uh, like that violent side right. in front and, of my daughter. and I get that too. But he drew a gun. So if you're going to yeah. already draw a gun, then right. you've already started to cross that line. Yeah. You may as well just go yeah. <laughs> follow through. Yeah, but that's that's really the only interaction. Like That's so Because, I man, talk about the lamest way to have Batman come and apprehend somebody. Like, come on, you're going to have Batman in your movie. Have him do something awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's have a cool, cool even if it's like a 15-second awesome fight scene. Yeah, Batman's there for the... He's in there, yeah, like a small bit during, and then at the very end, of course, he has the uh, the button to the film. Oh, and, and the credits, or mm-hmm. no? Uh, at the very end of the credits, or kind of midway through? Midway through. Great. Any end credit scenes? No. Hmm. All right, interesting. I think that's his, I think that was that, right? Him walking in and to Viola Davis being like, I'm assembling a team. You saying that to Batman? Batman says that to Viola Davis. Oh, that he's assembling a team. Yeah, he like he's like, do you have what I need? And she's like, sure. And she gives him the files that are, um, one was uh, one was the witch, and the other, of course, are they're metahumans, right? Yeah. Um, Aquaman and and so he, so he's like, cool. I'm getting. Oh, and he I think he says he's like, oh, I'm I'm making new friends. And she's like, oh, okay. All right, well, fine. And then he's like, I'll have my friends come. He says friends twice, and it's kind of weird. I'm like, okay. (laughs) You make this conversation seem much more like just a pleasure. I know. Well, for me, it's like, it's so, I mean, I just saw it last night, but I feel like I was so bombarded with stuff that I'm trying, like, pulling in my mind to remember exactly. But it was, it's like, but he's so, he's so laissez-faire about it, right? Like, he's so, he's like, well. Need um, I need more new friends. <laughs> it's kind of it. Like it's when he's not like he's not like listen. He's not, there's no like determination. He's like well, well yes yes. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I'll bring oh, my friends. There is if you ever ever chase it. I think it, it may be in Netflix if you do have that. There's a, a DC Direct uh, video film that they did uh, two three years ago called Assault on Arkham. Yes. Okay. So have you seen that? I've not seen it, but I know a group of people who worked on it. And they were saying, because they were at the same screening, and they were saying, you know, a lot of this shot for shot. They're like, we recognize some of our shots in this movie. Like, a lot of it was lifted almost directly 
from that DTV uh, feature, but, which I found very interesting and and not not in a bad way, you know. But I think that they were like it was sort of weird because it's like we had designed this stuff and then we're sitting we're like oh my god like and then it's like all of them like throughout the theater we're like huh <laughs> it's our movie <laughs> you know um that yeah. is without having seen the film yet mm-hmm. just that version is i feel it's so much more better mm-hmm. such a better film uh i enjoyed that much more it has, it has a nice big balance of way they incorporate batman into the story the way the suicide suicide squad works jokers incorporated to the movie they all have motivations and stuff mm-hmm. that is a much more entertaining film mm-hmm. So if you get a chance to watch that, it's well worth the time. Because well, that's like the Suicide Squad done right. I'll watch that, and then you watch Suicide Squad, and then in our next podcast, ah, it'll be like a part two, yes. and we'll figure out like, what's going on. Yeah, um, I, and what, I, what I've been telling people, because I got a couple of text messages, they're like, well, how was it? What do you think? And the, the, what I'm saying, I saw it had like 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it's a 30%er. I don't think it's that bad. Um, I would still see it. I just would manage your expectations and I wouldn't be in a hurry Interesting to see it. Like I, and go in just, and I, it's interesting, right? To think of it and being like, oh, these are the changes I would have made. And these are the things that I think, there are some things that you're just like, nah, nothing can fix that mess. Not just in general with movies. You're like, that would have taken a huge, uh, a lot of changes to fix it. This was just really convoluted. And I, I think it's, it's interesting, right? Because I was having this discussion with somebody and how it's smart from a business standpoint but it's also like at what point now they've got the the new the um the rebirth and they've kind of geared the rebirth and you see that a little bit with wonder woman and a little bit with you know that they've kind of geared the rebirth comics to sort of coincide with what's going on in the films right now you know and i think it's it's interesting because one thing the film did do that i it made me want to go read the books on these various characters and made me want to go see more about Harley Quinn, more about Deadshot because I didn't know anything about Deadshot coming in, you know? Um, and so that, that's good. Cause it made me want to go explore more about these characters. Cause I was like, I don't under, but it did not make me want to know more about Captain Boomerang because he seemed like the most boring <laughs> piece of shit ever. I'm like, what are you even doing here? Get out of here. He's so much more of a great character in the original John Ostrander Suicide Squad. He's so much more entertaining. Okay. Because he's just a guy that's out for himself and is willing to just to do anything just as long as he gets out with his skin intact. This is a dude in the movie that's like, he's just kind of bumming around. He doesn't, the only thing he contributes to the very end is he throws a, he throws a boomerang. It's like a drone that has a camera on it. It's like a drone. So they're like watching the camera and they can see that like, oh, this is what's going on. <laughs> that's what he contributes. That's literally what he contributes the whole time. And he keeps ducking out for beers, which I guess is supposed to be really Aww. funny. And at the very beginning, he has, like, when he, they're all, like, packing their stuff, they get their boxes, they're, like, outfitting, right? That's when there's that shot from the all the trailers is Harley Quinn, like, just, like, pulling her shirt on. Oh, yeah. It's like, butt shot. Um, that He has, like, a pink fuzzy unicorn that he grabs and he, like, puts in his jacket. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's funny. And they, like, bring it back once, and you're like, okay. But they never bring it. There's not a third, there's not a third time. You don't know why. When it's Digger know. Harkness. That's his name. He's so cool. Uh, but I like those that I he was cool in Suicide Squad, also cool a little bit in the Flash. But then like in later versions, uh, as the DC universe went on, like uh, late '90s, early 2000s, like around Identity Crisis, they made him like really fat. <laughs> he got he got really fat. And then That's he died. his Identity Crisis. Yeah, he just got super fat. It's like I don't want to see fat Captain Boomerang. And then he got killed. And then he got back. And when he came back, he was skinny again. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll accept so you, Captain he Boomerang, went as a and skinny got a lap guy. Band. Yeah. <laughs> 
this is not, the afterlife gives you a little lap band. It's not really helping me though. Like, wanna? He still sounds like kind of a bummer. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I'll I mean, take your word for it that he's. I'll I'll go and I'll I'll read about him. Well, you speak about Suicide Squad and Harley Quinn. So Harley Quinn's Rebirth issue just came out last week, and then Suicide Squad's Rebirth issue just came out this week. Okay. So if you want to uh, find out more about those characters, I mean, they're really pushing the Suicide Squad launch this time. Well, I'm sure because. Yes. But this is kind of my question though, and I'd love to get hear your opinion on it. It's like, it, at what point is it? dangerous to to be at what point does the quality start to lower where you're like well now we've got to make sure that like the movie should kind of go along with the comic books which should go along with the movie because we gotta we gotta get all these characters more it's become such a um a a franchise right where it's like i feel you know you've got the action figures that are now coming that are coming out and like the regardless of the success of the film and the quality and that also kind of go with the 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 plot of the comic books and and at what point does the quality suffer? Because now people have like got their expectations of which characters they want to see in the films. Like, okay, well now we have to get all ten people, you know, all all the members of the Justice League, all the this, all the that, um, because it all should have a fluidity and a branding. Like, is that? I feel that w- my my problem with comic book films is that I feel for the most part it's like everything came from the comic books. Mm-hmm. That was the source. Uh, but they will now be they will follow what the films and TV shows do. Right. Because that right. is certainly where the biggest biggest percentage of profit comes exactly from. yeah and is and that's an issue i think a little yeah. bit no so, pun intended yeah i mean it's sad to think they generate all these great ideas and yet they're beholden to to kind of follow and kowtow along to what the film and tv divisions of these network of these companies want that's right and i think it's it's not just story that goes to like design of character you know um and so i think it's a little i think it, it's it's challenging because you're only then as strong as your as your weakest you know, as, as you're only as strong as your weakest film, essentially, right? Yeah. Because it's like if a film isn't great or is, you know, the it's it's fluff. Well, if you look at like uh, one one example is just the uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver mm-hmm. uh, mutants. So, uh, but of course, and and Quicksilver is used in both in the, the Fox X Men film uh, and as well as the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for them, since they Marvel, uh, Marvel's like we're not really affiliated with the Fox. I mean, they have our they they, they have the license to, to shoot the X Men stuff, but we want to be able to use Quicksilver as well. So we're going to change him and make him not a mute anymore. He's going to be you know not just something different. And so I feel like that was after having they came out in the '60s. Yeah, so 50 years of them like all right, we think of them they're mutants. All of a sudden they do this ham-handed thing to like no no they're never really mutants at all. They're something else. And mm-hmm. you're like. They're not really the children of Magneto. Like, it was such a terrible, like, you saw, like, corporate manipulation right. changing these characters, and you're like, I don't buy this. It's, yeah. and, you can, and to see the editors tell you, like, no, 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 this, to, to deny that that's the case mm-hmm. is just like, come on, please, guys, don't yeah. do that. We were smarter than that. I think, I think as long as they're able to keep, you know, I don't think there's any problem with them kind of moving in tandem, but, but just, I don't know. I, I don't think it's it's good when one is completely reliant upon the other because now like it's become this weird dynasty, and in a different way, and I think that it can lower the quality of the product overall, you know, yeah. and it limits originality a little bit too. Um, yeah, I, I feel like because they say like, well, anybody that watches the film or sees the TV show, they're gonna want if they are interested in coming to the comic book store, they want to see what they've seen on the screen. And I'm like, well, you know, but it's like... That's I, not really, g- yeah, g- for me, it's not the case. Yeah, give credit to people to be able to realize that there are different interpretations of a character in different mediums. Right. And there's always going to be those people that... And I, and I think sometimes you're like this, too, where you're like, well, just for instance, well, that's not the suit that I wanted. I wanted the suit from the comic book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know? But are you going to not go see it because of the suit? Probably not. 
No. You know, and you'll be able to recognize the differences to be like, all right. And because you can say, well, I didn't like the suit. <laughs> I like the class combo. But the, but the film itself was good overall. Or the plot was good. Or the story was good. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I will take like a suit that doesn't meet my expectations if you give me a, a really compelling story with a great character behind right. it. I will I will forgive that like ah the suit wasn't like that that's the, that's when like you get your nerdy nitpick I uh, gotta push my glasses up kind of yeah. moment like ah, well that suit wasn't yeah, yeah. The suit wasn't canon yeah <laughs> yeah no totally all right so as we wrap up mm-hmm. uh we'll, we're gonna flip I'll go see Suicide Squad okay. you'll go watch uh, Assault on Arkham I will uh well I guess that's that's it. oh and I love well. you and some recommended reading which is the Rebirth. Yes. Uh, so so Harley Quinn. Yeah, we should. I, you want to read some Suicide Squad yeah. uh, and keep the, kind of the theme going, and yeah. we'll read a little bit and come back. Yeah, because I, I, I haven't read I haven't read the new issue of Suicide Squad yet either, so we can both read it and see what we think uh, if we like this new direction. Great. Yeah. Uh, anybody listening, if you completely disagree with me or do or, or agree with me, please uh, let you know. Let us know. Just you yeah. know, tweet at us. Amanda will fight it. you. I will fight she will you. find you I'll, in I'll a public bare place. knuckle box you <laughs> so hard. No, I, honestly, I, I would love I, I would love to be convinced otherwise. Um, Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to get many <laughs> tweets about that. I mean, I'd love to convince you this movie's good. I don't think you're going to get many of those tweets. Well, maybe not, but that's <laughs> fine. Uh, just be nice about it, guys. And, um, yeah, please feel free to let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about, um, any points you'd like us to bring up on the next one. And uh, we're happy to do that. Have you seen – so did you see – quickly, before we sign off, because I know – did you see the um, – so you saw the trailer for Justice League? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, it's just like – I feel like DC is in the danger of like doing interesting trailers but terrible movies because mm. it's easy to make you know two and a half minutes seem like oh my this is going to be really awesome and then yeah. have a terrible film. Uh, but I thought Wonder Woman. I was That's more entertained by Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman looks good, and, and then, I did not have a lot because again my intro to her at least that take on that character was Batman versus Superman, and I was like wah, wah, not super excited about Wonder Woman. Yeah, even though everybody's like she was the highlight of the film. I don't agree with that. I don't think the film was great, but I don't also. I also think that her her entrance and stuff was a little overplayed. And um, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, well, because she was given the, the least amount to do in that that's film. Right. So that's right. Yeah, how you that's kind of yeah. it. Like, yeah, she looked awesome, if that's what you mean. But she was always just like hopping a plane to question mark. <laughs> just like, <laughs> what's she doing with your life? Like, I know. are you just what are you doing? A little staycation? What's going on here? No. Um, and so I'm also like, why are you on a plane? You can fly, right? Like yeah. kind of, yeah. You've got your own invisible jet. Yeah, so why do you need what to What are you doing? This? Like, what do you, you know, be honest, Wonder Woman. Put that lasso of truth on yourself. <laughs> but, um, but the trailer looked awesome. And I'm more excited about that one because it is not a whole plethora of characters. Yes. It's just her. And I think they're capable of doing that. Please stop giving Zack Snyder final cut over these giant uh, superhero ensemble films. It's just too much. Yeah, and the, what, her fighting style looked really cool. Just like it looked she awesome. Was, yeah, she yeah. kind of slide yeah. on those long slid right. Yeah, I thought those were cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm super I'm really excited about that one. And I'm again I'm trying to manage my expectations because more often than not I go in with no expectations for films, and then I'm like, oh, great. So I feel like I got a, got a, 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 a non biased. He was like, well, I don't know what to think of this one anyway, so whatever. This one, no, I'm like, I'm excited. I thought the trailer was really good. Ooh. I also watched Fantastic Beasts in order to find an updated trailer. It looks so good. <laughs> Unrelated, but I love it. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of The Novice and Frank. But if they want to, f- if you want to find out where you can fight Amanda Barnes, if you disagree with her on this, <laughs> Amanda, where can they find you? Uh, if they want to fight me with uh, about comic book stuff, they can find me uh, on Twitter 
or Instagram at comic book novice. If they want to fight me about other musings, lifestyle things, they have a problem with my general state of dress. Uh, it'll be at Barnes Rights. At Barnes Rights. I like the, those two separate categories. Very different. <laughs> if you want to attack me personally, at Barnes Rights. If you want to attack me uh, for my comic book beliefs and musings, <laughs> it's at comic book novice. Don't you dare mix the two up. Don't do it. Don't you do it. It'll be hurtful. Where can they find you, Frank? You can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie, and mm-hmm. we will be back uh, with another episode of The Novice and Frank. Mm-hmm. I guess we sing us ourselves out Let's here. Play us out. Comics, 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 comics. It's an art form and a reading thing, and there's so much to do with comics, comics, comics. We go to the comic store on a Wednesday. Because we are the... Novice and Frank. Frank. <laughs> 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 Nerds. That song. That song didn't quite. End. <laughs>